Don't worry, be happy. Today on The Grid. The Grid. A digital frontier. I pictured patriots as they moved throughout our country. Do they look like individuals or small business? Were the rallies like church? I keep dreaming of a world I hope to one day see. And then, today, I got in. Hello, fellow Americans. This is Chris Coleman, your host with the Kingdom Patriot Group. Welcome to The Grid, where faith, politics, and commerce intersect. This episode of The Grid is brought to you by America First Insurance Group. America First Insurance Group is America's conservative insurance group committed to providing simple, high-quality, and affordable insurance solutions while fighting tirelessly for the shared values we collectively believe in. America First Insurance Group delivers value and transparency and stands with American patriots to protect our constitutional rights, liberty, and our great nation. A portion of their profits will go back to organizations for veterans and first responders, faith-based organizations, and other organizations that share our values and fight to keep America great. You can find them on the web at americafirstinsurance.org or check out our show notes for this episode. America First Insurance Group, insuring your life, protecting your liberty. Welcome to this week's News and Review, sponsored by Mercantile Mountain. This e-commerce business sells a wide variety of shirts, backpacks, hats, jackets, footwear, camping, sports, health, and home decor products. With unique branding, Mercantile Mountain desires to help you renew and refocus your life to your God-given purpose. I know the owner, Clay Carroll, personally, and I'm proud to call him a patriot and a friend. He has a heart for American small business and seeks to source his products with like-minded craftsmen, artisans, and businesses to bring quality products to his customers. Visit MercantileMountain.com today. Okay, on to our news. Our first story of the day is actually quite sad. And this is a story about teen girls who are struggling with mental illness at record levels. In fact, the data shows that persistently sad barely even begins to describe it. In fact, young women nationwide, as they struggle with their mental health, they're even turning to self-harm to cope. 57% of female teenagers in the United States struggled with feeling sad most of the time, at least in 2021, according to the CDC. Of the women surveyed, 30% have considered suicide, 24% planned suicide, and 13% actually attempted suicide. We can blame this on the COVID lockdowns, the gender confusion, social contagion, social media, and many other things. They all contribute. But the most important item that's missing in this story is identity. Those who have been taught to get their identity and who they are and who others think they should be will be sorely disappointed. But those whose identity is found in Christ will find that they are independent of the circumstances around them because the hope in Christ is not a misplaced hope. I grieve for this story. I grieve for these young teenagers, how our young people need Jesus. One of the stories that's been dominating the news, which happens to be the entire economic system and the banks, this story caught my eye. Senator Mark Kelly, you remember in Arizona? Mark Kelly has called for the censorship in social media, so the censoring of social media related to the banks. And this was what he was thinking. Because when you have these big problems, you have these kinds of results. This call 
for censorship was around misinformation. And, of course, you would think, yeah, maybe it has some nobility to it, but as in all good ideas that are based on emotion and not principle, they can be abused. And I think that's what we see here. Freedom is hard, and we must protect it at all costs. In this case, Mark Kelly suggested that we censor social media from talking about the bank failures because that contributes to a bank run. Well, I mean, I get that, but maybe the solution is not to censor the public talking about it, but rather for the bank to invest their deposits in a company that has sound management and seeks safe investments instead of massive donations to a bunch of social causes. I'm just saying. And another story that I think we really need to talk about more and more is how local district attorneys have, in essence, hijacked our system of justice with a, I would call it a pro-criminal agenda. And we don't talk about it a lot, not near as much as we should, but do you realize how many district attorneys have ended up in office that were backed by George Soros social groups? I mean, it's one thing to call for defunding the police. That's, that's happening, and I, I kind of get that in this social movement. But it's a whole other thing to promote criminality, which is exactly what these DAs are doing. In the name of equity, you have DAs like the one we mentioned last week in St. Louis that openly refuse to prosecute criminal cases specifically because of gender or race or some other identifier. In my mind, if that's not racism, I don't, I don't know what is. We have to become much more involved in these local races because they have a profound local impact. Now, in this next story, yeah, it's not overly surprising, but Biden is set on Tuesday to sign an executive order that expands background checks. Um, he was doing that by, I would say, modifying the definition or expanding the definition of what a firearms dealer is. This is just, it's almost ho-hum to me. I mean, this is exactly what I expect from this administration. When you can't get legislation passed, then you just start playing around with executive action to try to get what you want. Now, to one of the biggest stories of the week, this is involving Credit Suisse, this huge bank. The Swiss government is reportedly set to announce a deal on Sunday. So by the time you read this, we will know if this came about or not, that would have UBS actually buy Credit Suisse for $2 billion. And this announcement came because there's this mounting concerns over the potential collapse of Credit Suisse, which would be huge and likely would help facilitate another run on the banks that we saw this past week. Credit Suisse saw its stock price plunge. The deposit outflows continued last week. They received $54 billion in a financial lifeline from the Swiss National Bank just to try to bring liquidity to the bank. Ultimately, the Swiss National Bank has swooped in to try to put pressure on UBS to actually purchase or acquire Credit Suisse to avoid this implosion. I'm actually glad I chose the topic this week to do on this podcast, on the grid, because it's related to this kind of thing. So I think, I think you'll enjoy it and hear my heart in it uh, when we get to that. Okay, this also was a huge story at the end of last weekend and over the weekend. Former President Trump is expected to be arrested on Tuesday. Why? Because supposedly he used campaign funds to pay his attorney, Michael Cohen, who then paid Stormy Daniels, an adult film star, to be quiet. Quote, unquote, you know, the hush money. I'm not getting into that at this point because I don't know a ton about that. What I'm concerned about is the process. Remember, we talk a lot about that on the grid. The process matters. The ends do not justify all means. And there are several who are very concerned about this. In fact, Kevin McCarthy, Speaker of the House, has opened up an investigation on whether federal funds were used to go after political enemies, particularly Trump. 
Well, this arrest is occurring by New York law enforcement. And this Manhattan district attorney has been targeting Trump for some time. And again, I'm not saying that Trump is innocent. And if guilty, he should be held accountable to the same degree as everyone else is. But that's really the problem, isn't it, folks? The same degree as everyone else would mean Bill Clinton, who lied under oath, nothing. Hillary Clinton and the email server and the Benghazi scandals, silence. Hunter Biden's gallivanting around the world on his cash collection tours. Nope, that's Russian disinformation. On and on, I can point to these two sets of rules. I even have it on good authority that the FBI in New York were livid that Hillary wasn't prosecuted. But James Comey and Loretta Lynch were never going to allow that to happen. All I'm asking is for two things, folks. Equal treatment under the law and patience as we see what these charges actually are and how this unfolds. Okay, this last story, I'm going to label our courage segment. I want to give a shout out to James Reimer. Who is James Reimer, you might ask? Well, he happens to be the hockey goalie for the San Jose Sharks. And he announced on Twitter that he will not wear a pride-themed warm-up jersey before the game against the New York Islanders, despite being told that's what he needed to do and that's what the whole team is doing. But it's what he said. I love his heart. I love how he framed this. He said, for all 13 years of my NHL career, I have been a Christian, not just in title, but in how I choose to live my life daily. I have a personal faith in Jesus Christ who died on the cross for my sins and in response asks me to love everyone and follow him. He continued that I have no hate in my heart for anyone and I have always strived to treat everyone that I counter with respect and kindness. And in this specific instance, I am choosing not to endorse something that is counter to my personal convictions, which are based on the Bible, the highest authority in my life. Now you understand why I gave him a shout out. What a way to be strong, steadfast, and resolute in his beliefs, but also express love and not judgment. I think there might be a lot to learn from James. Folks, for this week's News and Review, that's a wrap. Well, today's podcast is probably less about news and a topic, but more about challenge and encouragement given our current environment. And in addition, I'm literally going to be preaching to myself. And I say that because the topic we are discussing today is a combination of money, fear, economics, collapse, and uncertainty. Therefore, I think it's best just to say we're going to go on this journey together. So let's get started. Let's move the ball down the field. Well, by now you've heard a ton, I'm sure, about the Silicon Valley bank collapse. At least you should have because we discussed it on last week's News and Review. And you undoubtedly are also hearing and aware of the fear that is gripping Wall Street regarding other bank failures and what the future may hold. Well, in fact, the author of the book about the Lehman Brothers collapse and a noted market expert, Larry McDonald, said these things on March the 8th. He said, well, they're really playing catch-up as he's talking about the Fed. And while they were doing quantitative easing in 2021, inflation started to rage. And now they're trying to catch up. In fact, our 21 layman systematic risk indicators that look at equity and credit point to one of the highest probabilities of a crash in the stock market, looking out only over the next 60 days. So we're really talking about before May the 8th. He goes on, the withdrawal of capital from middle-class families has been spectacular because the Fed continues its most aggressive rate hike campaign since the 1980s to crush decades high inflation. 
And all those, the consumer price index has slowly fallen from a high of 9.1% launched really last June. It still is more than three times higher than what the pre-pandemic consumer price index was. So on Tuesday, Powell actually stressed on Capitol Hill, this is Jerome Powell, that the central bank policymakers are prepared to pick up the pace of rate increases. So if you think the interest rates have been bad so far, they're talking about increasing the rate at which they increase the interest rate. They're expected to go higher than they previously thought. In fact, uh, Powell said the latest economic data has come in stronger than expected, which suggests that the ultimate level of interest rates is likely to be higher than previously anticipated. He said these in remarks before the Senate Banking Committee. If the totality of the data were to indicate that faster tightening is warranted, we would be prepared to increase the pace of those rate hikes. So that's what we're hearing directly from Jerome Powell. Well, McDonald is arguing, he said that for every 1% increase in interest rates, $50 billion is taken out of the pockets of middle-class families. I wasn't even aware of this, but he said auto loans right now are approaching 14%. And in fact, one in five auto loans is upwards of $1,000 per month. And so the middle-class families are absolutely getting hammered just in auto loans alone. These consumer pressures are violent. But on the high end, the wealthy are doing well because they have excess savings and they can earn more with higher interest rates. In fact, some of these wealthy investors um, are recognizing there's a lot more safety and potential increase in return in bonds. So he kind of points out that $10 million in cash today would generate half a million dollars in treasuries, half a million dollars in interest, roughly 5%. A year ago, it was 70000 It was seven-tenths of 1%. So when you do the math there, it makes common sense. You've been in the market for two years, and your stocks have gone nowhere. In fact, in some places, you're actually down after two years. And you're looking over here and saying, well, if I move this money over to a treasury, I'm going to get a half a million dollars of interest risk-free income. So what are you going to do? You're going to move the money. Well, this is like a market crash trigger, he further predicted. And he said it'll come from the S&P earnings missing estimates. So you're going to see all these companies after the first quarter start sharing their results after the first quarter. And what you're going to find is they're all missing their targets. They're missing their estimates. He said, what happens when this, when we're going to have a deterioration in jobs in the next two two to three months? And then that's going to bring all this into question. And that's what's going to ultimately be the catalyst or the trigger for the stock market crash. So, folks, what is McDonald actually saying? He's saying that a stock market crash is imminent in the next 60 days based on the best data, the best risk indicators, the best information that they have. And that it will be triggered by this vicious cycle of stubbornly high inflation and rising, I would say, fast rising interest rates. So why do I share that today? I share that because what a story like this produces, it produces fear and anxiety. And if I have learned anything in our current culture, we are long on fear, but short on courage and quick to seek a government intervention. And by the way, this government, this administration is quick to give that intervention. But ladies and gentlemen, there is always a catch. The more you seek to get rescued by our government, the more control, liberty, and freedom you will relinquish. But that's what happens when you put your hope in man-made solutions. So that really brings me to the heart of what I wanted to share today. And the first, we're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. And this is Paul writing to the church in Corinth. And he says this, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. 
so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt like we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Ladies and gentlemen, where is your hope found? Is it found in man? Like Paul is saying here in this passage, are you relying on man? Or are you relying on government, which just is, it's nothing more than an aggregation of man? Or are you relying on God who raises the dead? Reliance on man produces man-limiting results. But relying on God, the God who raises the dead, brings supernatural results and a reliance that transcends your current situation. Despite what you see in the natural, God is a God of not only the natural, but of the supernatural. So where are you placing your hope and trust? Okay, I want to go to the second scripture that I found in Matthew 6, verses 19 through 21, and then verse 24. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moss and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And in verse 24, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, I'm seeing this more and more in our culture. Do what you want. Live for the moment. Live your best life now. Whatever makes you happy. Yet happiness is fleeting. I heard a quote one time, money doesn't buy you happiness, but it does allow you to suffer in a nicer neighborhood. There is so much truth to that quote. When we put our hope in money, then we are the servant of money. And when we're a servant to money, then we fall prey to its allure. We fall prey to the quantity, presence, or absence of it. And I'm talking about this today because of what we're seeing in the banks, in the economy. Folks, this is Economics 101. That says this can't continue. You just can't borrow money, pump it into the economy, have record low unemployment, sky high interest rates. You just can't. This is a stubborn bubble, but it is a bubble nonetheless, and it is going to burst at some point. The economic aneurysm is wrought with risk and will do at some point what we have known has to happen for some time. And it's going to be bad. And that's why I'm coming to you today and speaking about this fear. There's a couple things you can do practically, which I will speak to, but there are also some things to do spiritually, which I will also speak to. But first, let's just talk about some of the practical items. First, get your financial house in order. Do not take out consumer debt. Now, I'm not necessarily arguing against purposeful debt that produces income-generating assets. That's like rental property. I'm not necessarily speaking against that. But for goodness sake, drive the older car. Stop putting vacations on credit cards that you can't afford and other things that have no tangible value, no collateral. You may want to consider moving some of your investments or retirement funds to safer venues as stocks are likely to get hammered. Don't take out debt just to live. If that's what you have to do, then you need to find another way. You need to find a way to lower your expenses because you cannot live beyond your means in this case or you will be subject to the times that are coming. For your personal day-to-day living, I would suggest taking a Dave Ramsey course. It's really good when it talks about sort of the, the behavior and the mechanics of money management. But spiritually speaking, and probably more important, if you have made man, government, or money your source of hope, then just repent now. I know I've got to do this because often I trust in my ability to manage finances, and I, I know that I can't trust in my own hands. 
Second, learn to trust the Lord in the supernatural when life looks like it's crumbling around you. Doom and gloom is sensational. When and if this crash occurs, it is going to be all over the news. But I say right now, put a stake in the ground that the Lord and his kingdom is first in your life, then your family, then your job. Be willing to take all that you own and all that you owe, and with open arms, with open palms, lay it at the foot of the cross and say to the Lord, pray to the Lord, your will be done. Ask for faith, but not that your faith will increase. That's not what I'm talking about, but that his faith will increase inside of you. Faith is a gift, and man's faith is weak and fickle and is circumstantial dependent. But God's faith is like a rock. Pray that the author and the finisher of our faith would fill you with his faith. And lastly, trust that he is good. Regardless of what is going on around you, if you are trusting and hoping in the God who raises the dead, then you will find peace like you've never known. I'll be right back after this quick word from my family. Okay, I see shared videos every day of one-year-old Johnny falling asleep with his face in his birthday cake. If you can share that video, surely you can share the grid with your friends and neighbors. Post it on Facebook, like it on YouTube, share it on Twitter, email it, text it. And for goodness sake, hit that like button and give us a five-star rating when you listen. Thank you for joining the fight for faith and freedom. Folks, that's just sharing a bit of my heart today, and I know I have some repenting and of my own mind to do, as I often trust in my own skills first, and then I run to God after I've failed. What would this world, our country, look like if we made a regular habit of going to God first instead of second, praying first instead of complaining first, seeking Him first instead of reacting first? If we do that, we can change the world together. I leave you lastly with this from John 16:33 in the Amplified Translation. It's one of my favorite scriptures. I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace. In the world you will have tribulation and distress and suffering, but be courageous, be confident, be undaunted and be filled with joy. I have overcome the world. My conquest is accomplished, my victory abiding. Wow. That is how peace is achieved when all circumstances around us say there should be nothing but chaos and fear. Let's trust, believe, and rely on God who raises the dead. Till next time. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Grid. And special thanks to our sponsor, America First Insurance Group. Be sure to visit our website at kingdompatriot.us to join the movement of faith and freedom. That's kingdompatriot.us. Join today so that together we can make a difference. Your membership is appreciated, your input is valued, and your voice is needed. I'm Chris Kuhlman, and I am a Kingdom Patriot.